Good evening. Welcome to the Board of Trustees meeting, October 22nd. I'm going to go ahead and call us to order. Rana, can we have a roll call? Avalana? Here. Trustee Peterson? Here. Trustee Hernandez? Here. Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Bouquet? Here. Trustee Sheklin? Here. Trustee DeVries? Here. And Trustee Jensen? Here. Thank you. And we have two public speakers. Uh, start with Craig Metz. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, so as you said, my name is Craig Metz and I'm a therapist at AHS's Fairmont Hospital with the Intensive Outpatient Program, IOP. Um, AHS is now in a transition period. Um, however, as far as we know, IOP remains under threat from AHS leadership. Will IOP be changed in some way that reduces necessary treatment for our clients? We don't know, but as far as we have heard, the threat remains. In addition, we have been able to show a balanced budget going forward. However, we just received a new budget where overhead swelled from 1.6 million to a colossal $8 million. Obviously, no department anywhere can balance a budget when overhead is calculated to be about 330% of our actual department costs. Um, so that's a little weird. Um, as we have stated to this board before, AHS's IOP services are an essential level of care for those in Alameda County with a severe and persistent mental illness. This level of care is not met by any other county services. County wellness centers, while important and useful, meet a different level of care and are not appropriate for those with acute mental illness symptoms. We hope that the Board of Trustees will continue to support our intensive outpatient programs. If plans to change our IOP programs have not already stopped, then we urge you to immediately halt them until after this transition period. At that point, we can more soberly reassess how to best serve the needs of our patients requiring this level of care. Um, and lastly, as an aside, if any changes to be made now, it should be to move our program back to under the psychiatry department where we have been historically and until recently and where we obviously belong. Um, that's it and thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Metz. We have Laverne Buffett. Laverne Buffett. Okay. Looks like she may not be on the line. Rana, do we have any other speakers? No, we don't. All right. Okay, then moving us along. Um, I don't have a lot in the way of a report. I um, I think we, everyone I'm sure is aware of the Board of Supervisors action this past Tuesday um, to ask for the resignation of the Board of Trustees. I'm pleased that they amended their motion um, to move the date from next week to the end of November. Um, and I know that myself and the rest of the trustees are committed to working until that time to ensure the smoothest possible transition under the circumstances. Along those lines this evening, we will be taking up two important um, items, the grand jury response, as well as the budget. Um, so without further ado, I'm gonna go ahead and move us along. Um, CEO report, Mr. Finley. Thank you, uh, Trustee Alvalade. Uh, good evening, uh, everyone. Uh, nice as always to see you. Um, uh, so like you, uh, a little bit distracted in the past couple of days. So I uh, regret regretfully don't actually have a report to offer either, but uh, we'll, we'll yield the floor for the, the, the remainder or the rest of the agenda. So thank you. Thank you. Moving us along, medical staff reports. Who do we have today for the medical staff reports? So 
Brandon Besh from the Chief of Staff Committee of Thailand. I'm a Division Chief for Hospital Medicine. Um, so I'll be giving the report. Um, there are a few highlights I wanted to bring up was the psychiatric chair report um, was given. Um, and there have been numerous um, improvements in a lot of their metrics um, from decreasing in diversion, length of stay, readmissions, and a decrease in restraint um, usage. Um, he reported that their COVID response has gone well. They have not had any major outbreaks. Um, and many accolades were given regarding e-consults. And a, a massive shout out to Dr. Siddhartha and Dr. Cooper were given during MEC by numerous providers. And so I wanted to highlight those. The other big, uh, the big, uh, actually I should have brought this up in QPSC was the SOC uh, teleneurology credentialing process um, is a big process that um, is being approved, um, and this will allow um, allow us to credential and uh, um, align with regulatory requirements and improve access to neurology throughout the system. So uh, this is a big, a big moment, and we're th I'm thankful to all the, all of those that have helped make that happen. Um, the last item is that at the MEC yesterday, there was in-depth discussion regarding the Chief of Staff Committee's letter um, in support of AHS leadership sent to the Board of Trustees on October 12th. Uh, the dialogue centered around the medical staff as an independent body and how they, represented, how they are represented by the Chief of Staff, which is currently a committee. There's also discussion whether an endorsement is representative of the entire medical staff, an entire department or division, or solely that of the individual. Since the medical staff and MEC did not vet the letter, there is not consensus about signing the letter. We have modified it to remove the chief of staff committee um, members' signatures. The signatures of individual chairs still remains. This conversation during MEC um, was respectful, collaborative, and focused on how we can provide safe and equitable patient care. Um, ultimately, the consensus at the end of the meeting was that we envisioning focus our effort on being a stable and collaborative MEC during this transition facing AHS. Uh, we aim to strengthen our values, mission, and culture of safety toward the goal of providing exceptional patient care. Thanks. Thank you, doctor. Do we have other medical staff reports? Yeah, I'm here, Dr. Ingenio, yeah, from uh, the uh, San Leandro um, Physician Leadership Committee. We did meet this month. Brief report, um, volumes are a bit down just because of COVID um, and um, the recent strike. The ER volumes are slowly trending up though and manageable. The new ED manager is working out quite well and I think flow is working. Um, OR, two of them were down temporarily, but they're back up and functioning now. So I think the volumes are low but still functioning. Um, the uh, inpatient census is quite low as well. I think due to the recent events, there's one COVID patient in the hospital currently in the ICU. Um, and uh, there were certainly concerns uh, from the local medical staff about the recent events um, by the, uh, the Board of Supervisors and we're awaiting uh, further knowledge of what the plans are going to be for the facility. Um, and that would conclude my report. If there are any questions, I'd be uh, glad to take them right down. Steve, any questions on the medical staff reports? Thank you, doctors. Um, move us to the committee reports. QPSC, Dr. Buquette. Uh, uh, Dr. Avaletta, one more chief of staff is Dr. Marzouk. Oh, I on. apologize. No, Sorry no, about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. that's, that's right. Uh, uh, our, uh, we credentialed and privileged uh, in the medical session uh, various individuals. Uh, the issues that uh, we have been active in uh, getting the um, the credentialing for teleneurology, as uh, was stated earlier, uh, for across campus. So telemedicine privileges for all the new neurologists, which will be an improvement. Uh, we also have a, uh, have initiated an emergency department patient experience council which uh, includes the ED directors, community uh, members, as well as uh, uh, nursing leadership uh, in uh, how to improve uh, ED uh, access and ED uh, function. 
in uh, in our hospital. Uh, finally, uh, with the issue of uh, specialty coverage, uh, there was uh, extensive uh, discussion about uh, uh, cardiology coverage, uh, particularly on-site cardiology coverage at night and on the weekends, uh, as uh, well, we don't have anyone on-site uh, to even make rounds. Although the cardiology service is available by phone call, uh, many times it's not uh, quite uh, uh, the same uh, as having uh, a cardiologist available to actually uh, even see the patient. I'm not talking about uh, acute MIs who, who need to be transferred to, uh, to Highland or to a facility where they can get intervention. Uh, that's been an issue of uh, discussion, uh, and uh, we're working with uh, the cardiologist uh, uh, to uh, hopefully improve uh, and uh, have uh, better coverage in the evenings and, uh, and on weekends. And that's the end of my report, if there are any questions. Any questions for Dr. Marzouk? Okay, now, Dr. Bouquet, QPSC. Thank you, Dr. Um, uh Hello, everybody. Uh, this is a report from the September 24th QPSC. Uh, in standard format, we went through our uh, consent agenda, which was quite a busy uh, consent agenda. It was a lot of reading, reading for, the, for, for the trustees. There, we had 40 policies and procedures to go through. We did it nonetheless, approved those, including specialty privilege forms across the spectrum. The article uh, that we discussed, our learning, as I like to say, was in an article, an article entitled Engaging Health System Board of Trustees in Quality and Safety, Six Must-Know Guidelines. The introduction to that I'm going to read to us because I think it's an important one to remind us of, of the work that we do. In 2006, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement set the expectation that boards select and review progress towards safer care as the first agenda item at every board meeting. It should be grounded in transparency and put a human face on the harm data. Further, they asserted that hospital boards, including non-clinical volunteer trustees, have a fiduciary responsibility to ensure high quality clinical outcomes in their hospitals. The six guidelines that they advised were pretty simple to get through it. Number one, emphasize quality and patient safety goals at the board level, use the steep format. So. For those who roll their eyes at me, I didn't make it up. <laughs> it's the steep format, safety, timeliness, efficiency, effectiveness, equitability, and patient-centeredness. Uh, to quote Einstein, uh, uh, or uh, uh, a quote attributed to him, not everything that matters can be measured, and not everything that can be measured matters. So there's a, a, a debate on, on what data we need to gather. Number two, Leverage National Quality Forum endorsed measures. I'll say that our organization largely does this, so I'm proud of that. Use benchmarking and risk adjustment to select targets. Not all targets have a meaningful benchmark. Number four, access data beyond the EHR. I know we've, we, we've uh, bet the house on EPIC and it, it is a wonderful engine, but not all data comes from EPIC and we need to be mindful of that. Um, number five, provide data and information for multiple organizational levels from the top all the way through the bottom to the unit level, uh, to the division level, the department level, the, 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 the organization level, the hospital level. And five, develop a board specific measurement and presentation strat strategy. Uh, leadership should be presenting healthcare information clearly so that the board understands performance against meaningful targets but also in a way that empowers the board to raise tough questions about opportunities for improvement. After those learnings, we, uh, we had a great dialogue on the regulatory uh, affairs and patient safety. We talked about our readiness for the Joint Commission uh, uh, resurvey, which is forthcoming upon us. And then we heard about the True North dashboard. And uh, I conclude my presentation and available for any questions on that. Thank you. Any questions for Trustee Bouquet? Okay, I just did receive a message that we have public comment from Mr. Green. Mr. Green, I don't think I've had the pleasure of having you comment at our meeting since I've been chair. Welcome. 
Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Nato Green from uh, SEIU Local 10 to 1. Uh, also, uh, le legendary political comedian. Please enjoy either of my comedy albums. Um, the I wanted to comment on the CEO report, page seven um, of the CEO report that deals with turnover. Talks about uh, ter ter voluntary terminations uh, due to uh, non-compliance with annual competency, competency requirements. I wanted to make sure that the trustees were aware that this has been an issue that the union has been trying to address with the administration so far unsuccessfully. So, if you're not a labor person. The decision by AHS to classify a, a separation as a result of a, a, a lapsed uh, certification as a resignation um, instead of a termination means that the, there's not a notification to the union of a disciplinary process. There's not a Skelly hearing. There's not Weingarten rights. And so the union and the union reps and the shop stewards don't know that it's happening unless the member happens to identify it and reaches out. And so there's been a number of instances where there were people who were notified that they were, they were being voluntarily resigned because of lap certifications. Um, and it turned out that AHS was doing it incorrectly and their certifications were not lapsed. And we've actually had a bunch of members, longtime employees, for people for whom there's no issues with their performance. Uh, there's no claim that they're not good at their jobs where, you know, over the technicality of uh, lap certifications, they're being terminated in some cases inappropriately. And we've been trying to get AHS to stop calling it a, a, a separate, a voluntary resignation and resume calling it a termination so that we get, get we can get notified and we can work with our members to correct their their certification and licensure issues and continue working without without interruption obviously we agree that people are, have an obligation to keep their licenses up but we also don't want to lose valued employees um because you know that the 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 wires got crossed in the process thank you Thank you. Hope you'll continue to engage with the Board of Trustees, Mr. Green. Um, next, we have HR Committee, Trustee Jensen. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. The HR Committee met on the 12th, um, or excuse me, the 14th, sorry about that, of this month. And um, there was a, um, we received input and um, a briefing on the the employee benefits for the coming year and basically it was good news that three percent rate reduction in overall in employee benefits and about eight percent of a reduction for the um, dental benefits we also heard about that there's new providers in several areas including um, the fsa hsa and um, and cobra provider as well as a new eap provider which is claremont eap which we're familiar with in Oakland, the city of Oakland. They do a great job and they are actually providing more um, benefits for staff under EAP. So more counseling visits for the for um, all staff, which is good news. Finally, there was a great presentation. I know most of you are familiar with Health Path, which is our um, AHS program for, for introducing young people um, to to working in a healthcare organization and the or the um, health path program is going very, very well. We heard from Jessica Pitt, who's the leader of the director of the program. And um, we heard, we saw some video from some of the participants. It's really a, a tremendous and, and exciting thing that that is really that is helping to support the next um, next generation of healthcare workers at AHS and elsewhere. So that was a great presentation and we um, we, we enjoyed that and had the, the committee had many questions and many supportive comments. Thank you. Thanks, Trustee Jensen. Any questions? All right, finance, Trustee Shaquin. Uh, good evening. Uh, uh, the, the budget year to date, that's through August 31st, is, um, is off. Uh, and that's primarily because of uh, continued volume issues and and uh, other other um expense items that uh, our cfo can report on which he reports uh important to track the volume issue as we march through another uh potential uh increase in the covid crisis because um, it has financial consequences and uh, just a reminder there was a quite a bit of uh, stimulus support that came to the system last fiscal year 
that if you're following the news is unlikely uh, to be available in the current fiscal year. So that creates uh, that created a backstop for us last year. We actually ended the year um, uh, within budget uh, despite uh, COVID. Um, the current condition uh, doesn't, the, the current year doesn't promise to end as well. Uh, also point uh, trustees in the audience to the negative balance challenge that's still there. Um, likely to come, the large bills are likely to come due in December. Um, there is an ongoing conversation with the county about that. Within that conversation, there is a specific conversation about capital. There's a, uh, a set of agreements around uh, capital um, replenishment that's supposed to come back to uh, Alameda Health System, and uh, there isn't a process to do that. So uh, I, think, I think the auditor controller is working on that. Uh, that capital, I just want to underline, is really important um, as it goes through um, all sorts of uh, consequences within uh, the organization. For example, in the Joint Commission report, stats report uh, this afternoon at the Quality Committee, there was a, a reference by staff to the need to... Uh, at, actually a, a concern about whether we had enough infrastructure investment uh, to continue the quality at the level uh, we have been able to bring it back up to. Um, and so that that's very concerning because uh, uh, when we pass a budget later tonight, it's a very, very thin margin on the budget. You'll see that. Um, and on the capital side, we don't have assurances actually looking uh, cap uh, cover all our uh, deferred maintenance costs, including costs related to um, this infrastructure need. Now, some of that was budgeted, but it's sort of the bigger question about how to make sure we sustain that and we, know we don't run into um, a financial condition in the future where we uh, deprioritize uh, that priority. Uh, so we're going to see the budget later, so I'm not going to say much about that. I will say there are also uh, note that there are contracts uh, for passage on tonight's agenda. Uh, one that's uh, foremost uh, to look at is the Park Ridge roof um, uh, contract, and that's for construction to put a new roof on that facility. Uh, and it's, it was a very difficult uh, decision for the committee to recommend it to the board. But uh, quite frankly, it's a health and safety issue at this point. So um, you will see that recommendation uh, later tonight. And that's my report. Thank you. Trustee Chukwain, would you like me to make a few comments as well? Uh, certainly. Or, or is that later? Well, I can make them in regard right. to the August uh, year-to-date financial report. Yeah, that, that, would, that would be great. All right, so uh, for the current fiscal year, we are running behind our interim budget. Um, we had we had a miss of three point, a miss of five million in the current month and year to date. We are actually missing budget by nine point eight million. And uh, what's driving these uh, variances is the continued lower volumes um, from COVID. A lot of the CARES money that um, we were just speaking of was recorded in the prior fiscal year. Uh, the total that we actually received was 29.5 million so far. And most of that was in last, was recorded in last fiscal year. We may have some audit adjustments that may move it around. Uh, all of that's uh, still yet to come. Uh, we're really seeing the hit in our ED visits and our elective cases, particularly surgery. We're also seeing a higher length of stay um, for our admissions. Uh, our net patient service revenue has been fluctuating more than I would like. Um, the reality is we need to do a new ZBA calculation. That's a zero balance count analysis. Um, our cash has been coming in strong. We have not seen a hit from COVID in cash, which, you know, is phenomenal. Uh, it has to do with the fact that we were late getting our claims out the door, and then we got a high amount of denials. I think I've talked about that in the revenue cycle, but now we're stabilizing and we're uh, collecting cash. It's, 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 uh, it is good news. And then as we 
collect that cash, we have a bigger sample size to update our models for net revenue. And so that's that's what's happening. Um, in regard to labor, uh, we do have a, a big positive variance because of the ACERA um, actuarial report. We're gonna true that up in the budget. Uh, when we get it all loaded, we'll talk more about that a little later. The only other comment I wanna make is we're still seeing a lot of COVID leave of absence. We had 153 in August, and that is pretty much eating up the entire vacancy that we usually run within this organization. So we have a net negative in labor uh, overall costs when you net it with registry. Uh, one more comment on the NNB. Uh, I, basically, it's the same as what I presented last, uh, last time. Uh, although there's been a lot of material items, I mean, lots. We, you know, we paid the FY09 waiver of seven million. We did a prepayment for the strike on October 1st of eight million. We've got an EBITDA loss of 8.4 million, which is that 16.1 million variance from budget. Uh, it's being offset. We have more patient receipts. We've got higher than Measure A by five million, and more than what we had thought we would be. And we did get uh, COVID relief that actually was cash that came in, reducing the NNB in July and August at 11.7 million. So all of those big things are just about netting to zero and the NNB is basically exactly the way it was now for the past several months that I've reported. So. If I could quickly add, uh, if I could quickly add just uh, uh, I wanna compliment um, Kim and her staff on the uh, incredible improvement in revenue collection that has happened. A lot of really hard work uh, within her department to get that to a much better place. And it's, uh, we've been tracking that for a good long time and it's really good to see a lot of, a lot of uh, improvement in that area. I just wanted to make that comment. And I just wanna um, take that comment and thank you for it, but I also wanna add IT and all of the operational folks because with Epic, all those charges get entered by the folks that are doing the work. <laughs> and then if we've got everything set up right, it flows along and we get clean claims out the door and then we get paid. <laughs> a system success then, that's great. Yes. <laughs> Any other questions on finance? All right. So, yes, with everything that has been going on, we actually canceled our executive committee, so I have nothing to report there. Um, the task force also, we um, basically handled it through email communications. And also, um, as you know, the trustees receive a daily dashboard on COVID, which we've been receiving since March, late March, early April. Um, our um, inpatient uh, COVID cases is actually the lowest it's been since we've started tracking it essentially. And so um, I think that that's a good place to be as we, um, you know, brace ourselves for an um, impending flu season um, as well as um, the county overall improving and reopening things. And as we've seen in other parts of the country, cases climbing. So I think we're at least... Um, in the best place we could hope to be from that perspective in terms of um, beds, including ICU beds and ventilators um, being used by uh, COVID patients being at sort of an all-time low for us now. So that that's a positive to report. Um, so that concludes uh, my report on COVID-19 task force. Any questions? Okay. Uh, Alameda Hospital Seismic Planning Ad Hoc Committee update, Trustee Peterson. Uh, we we had we had a, a smaller meeting in we had a smaller meeting in October, and we're uh, trying to uh, our plan was to have a composite report ready for January to be completed in December, and now we're uh, looking at how we can retool things time wise to see if we can get most of it done before the transition to the new leadership. Uh, that's that's the uh, essence of my report. Okay. Appreciate that effort. Any questions for Trustee Peterson? All right, consent agenda. Do I have a motion or any discussion? I just have a um, change, a brief, a, a minute change to the minutes. I wanted to uh, to point out that it was in the minutes, it says that I gave the, it's, it's 
titled audit and compliance report committee report but then it says um trustee jensen gave a report of the human resource committee that was held on september 9th so just to amend that to say audit committee yeah i caught that this morning and changed it my apologies thank you with that i'll move approval of the consent calendar second all those in favor Aye. Aye. Thank you. All right. Our action and discussion items. So first we've got the update and approval of the grand jury report response. General Counsel. Yes, thank you, Trustee Avalada. So uh, you had in the packet a uh, final version of the response to the grand jury report. This uh, reflected the uh, draft that you reviewed at the last meeting, and I incorporated the changes you know, from that discussion, uh, specifically uh, retitling the subject, the section that uh, referred to some of the changes that the organization uh, has dealt with and uh, incorporating a reference uh, to the essential hospital, or the America's Essential Hospital's uh, annual report. So. Um, I will just pause now to see if there are any other comments or any other questions about the content. Uh, and um, um, so I'll just pause there to see if there's anything else that anyone felt needed to be addressed. Okay, I will take that as a no. Uh, so uh, what uh, we will do at this point um, we are uh, required to file our response uh, by uh, Friday, a week from tomorrow. So uh, we will do a final uh, cleanup with it, uh, get a signature on, and then send it on to the grand jury. Um, the response will be posted on the grand jury uh, website along with our response um, in perpetuity, if you will, so that whenever the report is addressed, our response will also be available to the public to review as well, too. So other than that, I uh, would uh, you know, provide that uh, it would be appropriate to, for a motion to approve the uh, response to the grand jury at this point, if there's no further discussion. I think Maria had a question. It, just a clarifying question. Um, does your response need to include the latest issues that we face? So um, I... You know, that's the issue for, you know, the trustees to decide, you know, this is this is not my response. This is a response, you know, from the, the board on behalf of the organization. So, you know, if you feel that it's appropriate to add to or uh, take away from what is the current response, then that's precisely what this part of the meeting is designed to address. Um, I stand corrected, but uh, I guess I just want a clarifying question. Is there a period of time that the grand jury report was response requires us to address uh so would this time currently need to be included in that if we so choose no i don't you know i think that the response addresses the issues you know raised by the report you know it's not you know specific or limited to a time period i think it's okay. you know it's facts that are relevant to what's being discussed in the response oh, okay thanks I do think it's a great question, though, Trustee Hernandez, and something we, you know, should think about sort of reading it with that lens as to sort of, you know, a more, um, what's the word I want, uh, symptoms <laughs> of the of the problem, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's a great question. Trustees, uh, Trustee DeVries? I think the observations in the report jury and our response are actually timeless. I think that they were this, the, these were the conditions that existed 10 years ago. And if the Board of Supervisors does not change the structure or the financing of this organization, will be the same problems that exist five years from now. I think that we've seen multiple boards and CEOs walk out the door and we're being asked to walk out the door and it's because the system and the way it's structured does not work. So I don't think they needed change to the grand jury or just because of the recent actions. I think it's uh, an accurate reflection of the problems that have been identified by us, by the grand jury, 
by Ripley, by our labor partners. Um, and I just hope the Board of Supervisors uh, takes heed and actually makes some real change this time. Yes, as I um, hurriedly in the 60 seconds I was allotted at the uh, Board of Supervisors meeting before I was cut off mid comment, um, pointed out Trustee DeVries that in my opinion, if we were truly trying to move towards that substantive change in governance structure, something that would really be transformative for the system and for the people of Alameda County, then the current trustees and the current leadership would, would have been engaged in, the, in, in undertaking the change process as promised and as discussed at our joint meeting. Um, and so this maneuver here is really taking two steps back rather than moving us forward. And so, um, you know, I think all of those of us who continue to care about this system um, should insist upon a transparent and engaged stakeholder process uh, as we move forward or else it will be that, um, like you said, that in five years and in 10 years, it'll just be the same. Uh, kind of story over and over again. And I don't think uh, any one of us, uh, you know, on this board would like to see that. I think I, it's contemplated in the response, but, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think Supervisor Nate Miley said it best on Tuesday that they are just rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic. And luckily, I will no longer be sitting in one of those chairs. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. He also said, uh, we keep talking about wanting to change the governance, and then we talk about it for a little while. We do something, people resign, people move on, and then we're right back where we started, just like Groundhog's Day. So he did uh, he did say that as well. Um, so I, I, I could not agree more. I think that, um, that all the structural things that have been pointed out in here are sort of this in inherent dilemma that every board of trustees is going to face, Right. Um, and so that uh, the structure is longstanding and, and, and is not addressed in any way by the Board of Supervisors action. So we, I think we're all clear there. Uh, Madam President, I'd like to make a process point that uh, my understanding of the grand jury process um, does not, uh, well, I'll, let me put it in the positive. It, it actually allows any citizen of Alameda County to file a concern that they would like the grand jury to review. Just because the grand jury reviewed an issue at great length um, in its last session doesn't mean that it can't do that in the future. I believe it's actually looked at uh, Alameda Health System in the past. So it could actually, uh, the grand jury could uh, decide to do a year over year review and see if there was progress and make comment uh, uh, sort of in a, in a sequence, which would be uh, maybe of more value given the fact that we're doing a Groundhog Day uh, practice in this county. So any citizen in Alameda County um, is, as long as you're a registered citizen here, uh, you have the right to file uh, a concern with grand jury. Any other trustees? Like to make a comment? All right, thank you for that. Do I have a motion, or did folks feel like we did need to relook at it with this new lens? Are we good? Move okay. approval. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 All right, passes unanimously. Thank you. And next, the discussion and action item of our 2021 budget. I'm going to move approval right now. I did have a question. Um, and this may, you know, should this be an interim budget since there will be a new? Do you want to see if there's a second before you start the discussion? Oh, sorry. Yes, please. I'll second. Thank you. My only question is that should this be interim since there's a new governing body that will be here in 30 days? Or does it matter? Well, I don't know. Well, I think that's, that's, a fair, that's a fair question, but I would, you know, th this comes from the Finance Committee. Finance Committee has reviewed it um, over the months, actually, um, and actually has moved to um, 
to ask the board to approve it. Um, I think it's our obligation actually to pass a budget. And uh, we had an interim budget before that. I think it was wise given the uncertain times, but it, it's certainly time, I think, uh, given where we're at in the, in the uh, fiscal year to pass a permanent ongoing budget. I budget agree. Plan. I just wanted to call it out, uh, you know. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. We're passing it for a new a new group, so I just wanted to call it out. Other other any other discussion I, before we? I I, I disagree. Um, I think that uh, we potentially could create a situation where we have passed a budget based on what we believe was our path forward, and we do not know what the new trustees are going to be facing. We don't know what they're going to be asked to do. And I, I feel completely, uh, you know, opposed to passing it and I will abstain because what if they are asked to slash the budget even further? And we've just passed this. I mean, I don't, I think if the Board of Supervisors wants a clean slate, let them have that because that's their prerogative. But with that decision comes consequences. And one of them is that they will have to engage the new trustees to understand what the financial structure of this organization needs to be. And we're going to pass a budget that they're now going to be saddled with. I'm sorry, I don't think that's right. And I would prefer that this force, that this absolutely force the Board of Supervisors and the Board of Trustees to have a meeting, to actually sit down, to actually look at the budget, to actually talk about what's going on, because that does not happen. And so passing this budget, in my mind, is not the right thing to do. It should be forced upon the new trustees who then need to talk to the to the board of supervisors? Can I make a comment also? Can I? Yeah. Go ahead, Trustee DeVries, and then Kim, please. Uh, so first of all, I think, and and Trustee Hernandez, I fully, fully respect your position. I mean, how many times I begged for productive joint meetings between our boards? that actually had staff reports, <laughs> recommendations, and never got it. I repeatedly, over with the two years I was president and two years as vice president, I said, can we please have meetings that are productive, where we make decisions based on facts that are presented to us ahead of time? And we repeatedly got agendas practically less than 72 hours in advance, no supporting material, where it was a bunch of speeches. And, and I... I, I and we never got that. So I, I think it's a noble request and, and position for you to take. But I think, uh, you know, you look a little bit like Don Cody. Um, you're going after a windmill. Uh, and so what I'll also say is we do did we did take an oath and we do have a fiduciary responsibility while we're trustees to adopt a budget. And further, a budget is a policy statement. And in this policy statement, it can be undone by anyone. Yeah. In this policy statement, we preserve services, built-in raises for our very dedicated staff, and came back uh, with, with a, a reasonable budget within a margin. And we acknowledge our dependence on the county and the net negative balance line of credit in order to execute those tasks. So I would like to leave this board knowing that I fulfilled my fiduciary responsibility, that I made a statement with a budget that protected services and protected staff and avoided layoffs and even offered some, some you know, money for cost of living adjustments. And I think that that's, that's how I would like to leave. Now, the new board and supervisors can do whatever they want. Yeah, I think, Trustee DeVries, I, I, I hear you. And because it's a policy statement, and because it is um, the fiduciary's responsibility to pass a budget, um, it begs the question, you know, around the independence of this authority, which uh, does not appear to be the case. And so, 
Yeah, I mean, there is, I, I agree with you, Trustee Hernandez, in the sense of, you know, perhaps the Board of Supervisors should be passing this budget. Um, if we really want to talk about who's sort of uh, in charge, despite what the legislation says, this is the, the, the de facto kind of situation that we're in. Um, but I would like to hear from Kim and also understand the process for the new, the new trustees, because I think part of my concern is sort of what Maria said, that, uh, you know, what, so the new trustees will come in with this policy statement, essentially, and this budget that we've put forward, um, but we don't know how much else is going to be changing. Um, and we also understand that we are being asked to leave and that there are a number of, I mean, we've heard from the IOP program numerous times, they've gone to the Board of Supervisors, perhaps the Board of Supervisors would like to uh, preserve it in a way that, that this budget does not. So I, you know, so I think, uh, and, you know, and I don't think we want to be sort of uh, continue to be blamed, you know, sort of after the fact for anything that um, was our vision and is not the vision of the new, uh, the, the Board of Supervisors slash trustees. And so I, you know, so I just want to put that out there and ask uh, Kim, you know, what would their process look like? And then does it, does it matter at the end of the day if we pass it as an interim or, or a final budget? Can I, can I say something before, Kim, before you talk? Sure. All due respect. So in order to run an organization, you have to have an approved budget. You have to have an authorization to spend money. And really where we are here is we've, we've kind of pushed things a little bit in terms of because of the financial uncertainties we've had, we've gone ahead and, and moved forward with preliminary budgets. But really we have a responsibility to put together a budget and pass it so that the uh, operational people at this company have the authority to to expend expenditures that we ha we've got to do that now that that's not to say that in January or February that a new board of uh, trustees could come back and make a decision that they want to modify the budget but you need it you need authorization to spend money and we're kind of a little bit out there on the thin thin line in what we've done in the past. And I think we've done it under the auspices that we wanted to have a better sense of where we were on our expenditures and we thought if we, in our revenues and we thought if we went a few months into the year, we'd have a better sense of where we were before we made any kind of cuts because we were afraid of the impact that they would have on our employees and the people we serve. And But I think we really have an obligation to pass the budget. Anyway, that's my, my opinion. I, and I, I respect, Maria, what you're saying, but I think our our regulatory responsibility goes beyond that. It's just part of what we need to do as a board of trustees. Yeah, I'm concerned we're falling outside of a, in a number of things. With I mean, I think we have a number of obligations around regulatory requirements and with us not knowing who we're handing the baton off to or when that handing off will happen, we have a, a big, huge blind spot um, on a number of things, this being one of them. Okay, now. Yeah. <laughs> and if folks can mute themselves or they're not talking, go ahead, Kim. So um, I'm basically reiterating what everyone just said, and that is that a budget is only a plan. It can be changed at any time by the new board. The, oper the organization needs a budget to operate. Our policies are based on, you know, who can approve an, uh, uh, an invoice is based on whether it's budgeted or not budgeted. Um, all of our, our policies uh, have this idea of budget, particularly on the capital side. So to me, it, it would leave the organization rudderless. And uh, I think during this interim time, uh, we need to have something, whether it's an interim budget or a final budget, doesn't matter to me. I just know that the, that in order for us to keep this organization going during this transition, uh, a budget would really help. Certainly. And, and Trustee Hernandez, does, it, does calling it an interim budget in your mind help in, in terms of this issue? Um, not really, but you, you've got the votes to pass it. Uh, I can abstain and it will not stop anything. But if everyone and, agrees that it's an interim, I mean, if everyone agrees that it is probably an interim and that and that we are really trying to call it what it what we think it is, um, I'm, I'm okay with, with that amendment. I don't know how the folks feel. Tracy, it looked like, Trustee Jensen, it looked like you were trying to speak. 
Sorry. Thank you, Madam Chair. I, 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 Kim answered my question. I really just wanted to, or wasn't a question, but um, she made my point. I really just wanted to say I, I agree with a lot of, um, with Trustee Hernandez's points, but I think that by it, the responsible thing to do is to pass a budget, and if it needs to be revised, it can be revised um, after a public meeting and notice by the new board. Yeah. I, I would to suggest that I don't want this to be an interim. While we are there, we should do our work. And this is, we should have, you know, June is usually the time, but because of the um, of the uncertainties at that time, it's come to October. I think this is our budget, the board's budget. Yeah, I would add too uh, that I'm not, I'm also not comfortable with the calling it interim because Staff has done uh, a lot of work uh, along with uh, the Board of Trustees, particularly the Finance Committee, but also the full board. I mean, we've had presentations at the full board that have um, informed this budget. And I, I think I, I really do understand Trustee Hernandez's point. And actually, it's... You do this to me all the time where I feel like, yeah, I agree, but I got to go another way. So I, I, I think we need to pass this budget because it's our fiduciary responsibility to do it. And I agree with your point that um, there's got to be a better, uh, you know, the grand jury made very, very sharp comments about the budget process and the relationship between the trustees and uh, the board of supervisors in relationship to the finances. And, and, uh, so I think your point's well taken for the future. Uh, for whatever reason, we're not going to be able to participate in that. Um, and that that's frustrating for those of us who have committed a lot of time to this. But it is, um, you know, I, I think it's a, despite what this is, it's a reset moment. And people can get it right. Um, and I, I truly hope, truly hope that the opportunity is taken. Other comments, or are we ready to call a vote? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Abstain? Trustee abstain. Anyone opposed? Uh, uh, excuse me, Trustee Abelada. Since you do have an abstention, I think a roll call vote at this point. Okay. Rana? Trustee Abelada? Aye. Trustee Banerjee? Aye. Trustee Bouquet? Aye. Trustee Shequin? Aye. Trustee DeVries? Aye. Trustee Hernandez? Abstain. Trustee Jensen? Aye. Trustee Peterson? Aye. The motion passes. Yeah. Are there any questions on the written staff reports? All right, I'm going to have us move into closed session. General Counsel? Yes, so there are uh, three items for the closed session. A first day conference with labor negotiators uh, is a uh, report on a pending litigation matter. And then the final is a uh, performance evaluation.